Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I have with me Chris from Intellis, and we're going to get into some topics. I think that Chris is no stranger to the idea of working remotely. Um, you know, he's run an agency now um, that's been remote for a number of years, so he's no no stranger to this. We're going to get some great tips and tri- tricks from him. We're also going to talk about the alignment of sales and marketing because that's one of the biggest challenges right now. You know, this idea of marketing. You know, gone are the days where sales is on this side, marketing is on this side. Now, of course, it's all integrated. Um, Chris, what what is your take on that? What was the kind of paradigm shift to get companies to align their sales and marketing? Yeah, I guess the biggest thing for me is noticing all of the the time that gets wasted uh, with salespeople. I mean, uh, salespeople have a lot on their plate, and I, I feel like a lot of companies um, put salespeople in these roles where they're re- really required to do more than they really should be doing. Mm. Um, and what what ends up happening is salespeople waste a lot of time trying to convert leads that aren't qualified. You know, marketing is always complaining about, you know, sales not nurturing leads properly, not following up with them in the right time frame. And then sales is always complaining about the quality of the leads that marketing is giving to sales. So um, I really believe there's a um, massive opportunity for a lot of companies to compartmentalize those roles and fill that gap between sales and marketing. Um, with a kind of a process in a, it, like lead development, basically, where the leads, when they come into the CRM, they basically get go through a systematic process of analyzing those leads, enriching the data, and getting them fully qualified so salespeople are optimizing their time and not wasting time on leads that are completely unqualified and not ready to buy yet. Mm. Yeah, I, this... I'm no stranger to this 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 idea, this concept of um, almost like a competition between sales and, and and marketing sometimes, where I've noticed this, and it's and it's really a toxic thing that can happen in a culture where people on the sales side think that marketing people are you know over overly creative and they're that they're not focused, they don't have their eye on the prize, and they're not the people that are responsible for closing deals. And then marketing people have this idea where people in sales are just, you know, hustlers and they're, they're, they're not appreciating the art of, of all this. And, and I feel like a lot of that is just gone now because all of us are in sales. All of us are in marketing to a certain extent because we're just communicating, yeah. you know. And yeah, some people might have more of a responsibility to run a pipeline per se, but all of us are building a brand up, you know, to a certain extent. So um, what would you say, uh, you know, the biggest sort of conflict story that you've experienced or have been a part of and, w- and what did you learn from that? Um, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to like, as far as giving you an exact story, I think it would just be better to explain like kind of some of the, the things that I've noticed working with some of the clients that we nice. work, work with. I don't really, can't really say I have a lot of, uh, stories that I'd like to share in terms of our personal experiences. Um, you know, just because our sales and marketing team are, are so kind of blended in a way, like you're yes. talking about this marketing. Um, but I have noticed in a lot of other companies that, um, you know, sales is basically on the forefront of dealing with the prospect. So they're getting a lot of, the um, you know, difficult questions that um, 
that basically the prospects have. And, and a lot of times um, that data get, it's, gets failed to get uh, given back to, to marketing. And, and um, you know, I, th I feel like there needs to be a, a closed loop there between sales and marketing where um, with those questions that sales get uh, gets uh, asked all the time, they're feeding that data back to marketing and marketing is using it to create better content, generate better leads. But really, I think one of the best opportunities for sales and marketing to get on the same page and eliminate a lot of that conflict, um, you know, is, is basically with a service level agreement. Um, okay. so, and, and really identify and, and uh, de defining the, the criteria for what's considered a marketing qualified lead and a sales qualified lead. I know I got a little bit sidetracked there. Um, you know, I get, this has been the first time I've done a podcast in a while. So, um, excuse me for that, but, um, no, you're good, man. This it, is street. This is a safe place. And this is all about the stream of consciousness. Yeah. So yeah. You, you, you had me at MQL because you know I've gone through the whole process. I think HubSpot was maybe not the company that invented that term, but definitely they, they use it. And I don't, are you guys on HubSpot or what's, what sort of do you, what CRM do you guys use? Or so we are HubSpot certified and we do okay. work with clients that have HubSpot, but we personally use a system called SharpSpring. Oh, nice. Yeah. They're, yeah, so they're optimized very, for, for agencies. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very similar. Um, it's about a 10th of the cost of HubSpot and they're really, uh, they have a really great agency plan in terms yeah. of allowing us to um, use the system and offer it to our clients in kind of a different way than you're able to do with HubSpot. Plus a lot of our, our clients, um, you know, that have, um, I guess uh, a lot of our clients just seem to, to, to feel it's a use, more user-friendly platform. Um, they find it a lot easier to use in HubSpot. Well, I think I think one of the inherent conflicts right now with sales and marketing is that a lot of the legacy infrastructure is built in a very separated fashion. There's the traditional sales platforms like Salesforce, CRMs, and then there's the traditional marketing auto automation platforms like Eloqua and Pardot and Marketo yeah. and some of the kind of the OG players. And I feel like that's the the first guard, and then the, the second crop that really came in is where there's more integration, which is you know Hub, HubSpot, SharpSpring, not so much of a CRM. I think more in the market. It actually side. is. It's it's it's. I would say it's about fifty fifty. It's about fifty percent okay. CRM and fifty percent marketing automation. It's really an all in one. It's a true all in one system. So um, so people so are people using SharpSpring to manage a pipeline, manage their deals. Absolutely. It has a absolutely amazing um, opportunity pipeline analysis report, uh, being able to see the conversion rate at each stage of the pipeline. I love the opportunity health analysis report where when you can set a probability score in the in our probability percentage in the pipeline stage, but you can also set a minimum threshold for engagement. So we can create what's called an opportunity health report. And when opportunities go below that minimum threshold in terms of follow-ups, um, touch points, then, you know, salespeople get notified. We can set up automated reports. So the leadership gets that on a daily basis uh, just to make sure that those lead, those opportunities are getting nurtured properly. See, I didn't, I didn't know that uh, that's, that's news to me, man. That's really exciting. You know, I think this is, this is something that, that all agencies need to hear that you know, there's other alternatives to the the super expensive platforms out there. SharpSpring is not only, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, but not only is it marketing automation and a CRM with deal pipeline management, but it's also something that you can white label and have your yeah. 
your clients log into and then use in that yeah. format. Yeah. Now we don't we don't actually white label it. Um, okay. We're very upfront with our clients about the fact that we use SharpSpring. Um, it does have our logo in the the dashboard, and of course we could set up our clients' logo on their dashboard as well. But um, you know, a lot of the clients that we have that that didn't have a CRM or a marketing automation system when they came to us, it was a great system for them. But we've also uh, gained clients that you know have existing system that was either either too expensive or frustrating to use. Um, so we we help them you know solve that problem by evaluating their tech stack, um, finding the opportunities to improve it, and then and in a lot of cases, not every case, but in in, in many cases, um, our clients find it better just to have that all in one system. And um, you know we also solve that problem of of, of implementing it, and because a lot of companies, you know they they know they need to get a CRM, they know they, they need to get a marketing automation system. And they typically default to the most popular ones right. um, like Salesforce and Marketo and so forth. And they're great systems, but they're not always the best fit for everyone. So, um, you know, when a lot of companies choose these systems, they find that, um, you know, some of their biggest challenges is, is actually implementing, developing a proper strategy to generate an ROI from it, implementing the system, getting buy-in from the team, making sure everyone's using it and it's, um, optimizing all of the processes to make them as efficient as possible. Very well said. You know, one of my biggest complaints as I, as I think about it is that what happens, I think a lot of the times is that new, you know, new entrepreneurs, new agencies, new kind of maybe small business owners, small business operators, uh, you know, people in marketing or sales, they say, Hey, I need a CRM. I need a marketing automation system. And they'll type in maybe free CRM. Maybe they end up on HubSpot. Maybe they end up somewhere else. And then they kind of go through that journey of, hey, I'm on the free system. And then things start to happen. They start to get more team members and more success and more contacts. And they start to really kind of bust at the seams. And then all of a sudden, they start to see that. They, they, they go on the pricing page of some platform. <laughs> and they start to slide that little, little scroll bar over. And they say, oh, I got 20,000 contacts now. Holy crap, I just went from $0 per month to like $800 per month. What just happened here, right? And then all of a sudden, one of two things happens. Either A, they commit to a, a large financial investment. And I've done that. I know what it's like. And I've had success with it sometimes, not always. Um, or they, they abandon ship and then they have to start over <laughs> in yeah. some new ecosystem on some new app, new platform. And then, of course... When they start to type HubSpot alternatives or Salesforce alternatives, SharpSpring does the best job to say, here are the alternatives. Here's an ebook. Compare us to all the major players out there. So many companies do that really well. Uh, and I think that that's a process. So the, the joke that we have you know, here at Dub is that people are always frustrated with the CRM that they're using or they're just admittedly in between systems. And... A CRM is not supposed to be a sales prevention platform. It's going to be, it's supposed to be something that actually helps to manage. Yeah, like a sales, a sales empowerment platform. The That's exactly it. Yeah. Love that. You know, sales empowerment platform. So, so like, we like, I, I'd like to speak to that for a moment because yeah. a lot of people think about marketing automation. They think about just a bunch of automated emails that go mm. out to prospects. Yeah. That's true. You can use it for, for that. Right. But I'm not lying when I say that we use more internal automation than we do prospect facing automation. Mm, yeah. um, we found it more useful to set up automations and treat leads like real people. They're not just, 
you know, email addresses. So like when we first started out, you know, like a lot of people, you know, when they first started out, didn't know any better, set up an infinite drip sequence, you know. Um, but then we, somewhere along the way, we realized, you know, the importance of segmentation, the importance of defining our buyer persona, defining the customer journey, um, flagging leads as they come in on a daily basis and bucketing those leads in terms of what types of leads they are, and then using the custom fields to gather additional data points and enrich the data. Uh, and a cool thing that we do with custom fields is we actually put automations behind the custom fields. Mm. So we have a workflow builder where we can build the automation, trigger-based automations. So all, we have like when a lead comes in, um, if it, we define it as a potential, a potential fit lead, we've tagged it to the right persona. Um, we you know, completed, uh, we basically got it to the point where it needs to go to the next phase. Uh, we have a custom field to um, basically say missing info. So, you know, we'll have one of our VAs go. And so whenever I select missing info and click save, it triggers a notification, assigns a task to my VA. He goes in, goes and researches it, finds the missing data, puts it in. And you could do some of this stuff with automation as well. There's systems out there for data enrichment. Um, so there's multiple ways to do that. But the point is, we use a lot of those custom fields in a way to trigger other processes internally to keep developing that lead through the process where they're fully qualified and, and we treat them like humans. You know, there's a point where some leads are so valuable, you're not going to want to just put them on a drip sequence with company newsletter type material. You want to actually take a very custom personalized outreach approach using a software like Dub <laughs> to, uh, you know, basically make a one-to-one -one connection with people and basically, um, you know, speak to their pain point, understand their problems and be a useful resource to help them, you know, solve the problem they're looking to solve, especially when you've got multiple decision makers. Like there's as many as six to 10 decision makers now involved in the typical B2B uh, buying process. So being able to, you know, identify all of those people, segment them out, treat them differently. And then that, that uh, for us has made a massive difference. So well said, man. You know, this idea of automation and losing the personalization as a result of it and turning people into data, this is a this is a problem, you know, it's a big problem, I think, with with automation generally speaking. I think this comes from, I don't know, complacency, laziness, greed. <laughs> you know, it comes from some sin. I don't know which one. <laughs> but um, you know, this idea of segmenting you know, leads based on, you know, data and then adding the levels of personalization that you talk about. I wish I saw more people doing that because I feel like that's the dream. And I love how you said that more of your automation is for internal activities than it is for, for outward facing, you know, drip sequences or, you know, nudges or stuff like this, because that just, that just tells me that there is that human element, but it's just intelligent, you know? It's more intelligent in terms of how you are providing information. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it, it's when you say it, on what device you say that, during which stage you say that. So there's all these kind of factors, which I think you're really addressing. So that's, that, I'm intrigued, man, that's, that's pretty cool. And then what exactly do you guys, as part of your agency, what is your value proposition? What do you guys, what do you guys offer? So we, we basically help companies basically align their organizations with the right technology processes and people to optimize the entire customer lifecycle. 
we help our clients just ch challenge them to think beyond just the acquisition part of the the buyer's journey and think about the entire life cycle of the customer. So, you know, we look at awareness, we look at um, acquisition, um, activation, and then um, <clears throat> uh, revenue, uh, retention and referrals. So we go through the entire process beyond just the funnel itself and helping our clients really maximize the entire customer, uh, the conversion rate in the entire customer life cycle, maximize the lifetime value. And I, I'm very familiar with with a lot of that terminology. I I have it sounds like I have a little bit of a similar experience uh, as you in automation and going through this. And the thing that I always used to struggle with, and I still do to a certain extent, is that when I when I drop terms like you know MQL or you know lifecycle stage or customer journey or you know omnichannel, sometimes I feel like I lose people because they it's it sounds like jargon. It sounds too technical. You know, I I, I try to dumb it down sometimes, but then I don't like. I, I feel like I'm trying too hard to dumb something down where there's something there's some great terminology for it. <laughs> so uh, what is what has been your take on communicating this idea of all those great things that you talk about, which is basically understanding where a customer comes in from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel and what happens during that whole kind of process. You know, how have you learned to kind of communicate this and to make it easily understandable by people? Okay. So like in terms of basically explaining that to the uh, potential clients. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, graphs help charts, things like that, being able to show vision, you know, visually show, you know, each stage, but, really just break it down by awareness, consideration, and decision uh, as mm -hmm. far as the acquisition, all the way up to the acquisition part. Now there's different conversation that be had about after the, after the acquisition pro process, but awareness is typically where they're just basically your prospect is just becoming aware of the problem, realizing that it is a problem, putting a name to the problem, understanding the problem, and then, you know, getting to the point where they're ready to start, you know, looking for solutions to the problem. Um, in terms of strategy and, and tactics and things like that and, and possible ways to solve the problem. Then you get into the consideration stage where you're basically as a, as a, as a buyer making a short list of potential solutions, whether it be services, vendors, um, software, whatever you're buying, it's it typically um, they're making a short list of the different, different options, different buying options. And then the decisions uh, phase is where they're basically comparing those solutions, apples to apples, and determining which one is going to be the best fit for, their, for solving their problem. Now, when it comes to content, um, a lot of companies, there's a little bit of bl some blurred lines there in terms of you know, what content should go at each stage of the funnel. It, obviously, it varies per industry, and there's this big debate over gated and ungated content and all that. But typically, I typically think of awareness content of like blog posts and articles, web pages are related to the problem itself and informing the buyer, helping them understand the problem better. Consideration is like product pages, service pages, uh, feature pages, things that talk about your product and how it can solve that, that problem. And then decision phase is, you know, they're looking at things like, you know, reviews and testimonials and um, comparisons. Like uh, a good example is like when you look for project management software, you see a lot of, it's very popular to see companies like um, ClickUp and Asana and whatnot, basically having these pages where they compare the two different solutions. So that's kind of the way that I think about those stages of the, the customer, well, the buyer's journey. Now the life cycle is, is different. You've got 
you know, retention strategies and things to like customer experience and everything and making sure that your, your customers are getting full usage out of your product or service and um, making sure that you're addressing future needs and things like that and providing them with good service. And then, um, you know, the referral part comes down to, you know, basically uh, under promising over delivering, making sure that, um, you know, you're putting in them in a position to give you feedback so you can kind of open the door for, um, you know, basically asking for the referral. So finding out how likely they are to recommend you to other people. And then um, that can be accomplished through like a NPS survey, net promoter mm -hmm. score, being able to get their feedback and say how likely they would be to recommend you. And then I think that's a great opportunity to go in and, and basically get them to put their money where their mouth is. And it can be even incentivized, um, you know, like giving them a free month of your software or whatever. Um, in exchange for referral. I mean, it's a common tactic, but, um, and then we got like other, other kind of like, you know, growth hacking techniques inside the, the product itself. If we're talking about software, you know, like, you know, encouraging users to invite friends and stuff to, to basically sign up for an account during their onboarding process. And there's a lot of great tactics that can be used, um, in the onboarding process to, to drive more referrals. Yeah, I, I tend to I tend to agree with with kind of the journey that you that you put put forward. You know, ultimately getting to that evangelist, you know, from like a lead all the way down, you know, a paying customer, and then of course someone that's referring you to their friends and their contacts, even sometimes strangers. Um, that's that's the power I think of of a good experience, and we're we're always thinking about that at Dub. We're always thinking about that. You know, we could definitely do a better job to 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 do surveys and to understand exactly where people you know had a positive experience or a negative experience. <clears throat> we also do a lot of the inherent referrals. You know, uh, I I agree with you. I think that 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 makes sense. I mean, either some people, they don't want to be compensated. They don't want to be part of the affiliate program. They just, they want to do it because they enjoy the experience. You know, other people, they like to feel like there's a reward to kind of spread the word. So I, I think it's smart to just have those sort of multiple options so that people can kind of choose their own adventure, you know, as long as they're, they're happy along, along the entire way. Yeah, definitely. Nice. So where, where can folks find you on social, on LinkedIn? Love to get yeah, primarily LinkedIn. Um, okay. That's like my number one channel, um, mainly because we're so geared toward B2B. Um, okay. You know, we do, we work with a few B2C companies, but we're primarily B2B focused. So definitely really active on LinkedIn. Um, so that'd be the, definitely the best place to connect with me. Nice. And then um, where, how do people find you? Uh, just give us full name and then also give us your web, web address. Yeah, so just um, our our website is IntellisAgency.com. You can type that in Google as well and find us right at the top. Nice. Cool, man. Well, listen, I really appreciate the time. It was great to have you on this. And the way that this works is that we, after this is all kind of uh, produced and published and stuff, we actually cut this into to smaller uh, micro contents. And then we'll be sharing those on LinkedIn and some social channels. So um, I look forward to, uh, to continuing the conversation. Awesome. Thanks, man. See you, Chris. Thanks. See you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.